Welcome to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. I'm your host, Jen Alex, and the goal of this show is to uncover communication strategies and behaviors that you can use to improve the way that you show up and perform at work. We'll talk about what effective communication looks like in action so that you can apply it to your own career. If you'd like a written summary of each episode, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter by visiting vautiercommunications.com. Welcome back, everyone. Today, John, Matt, and I are discussing the framework of communication in the digital age. First, how it's changed and some challenges that we often find occurring. Thanks for joining me, both of you. To start us off, can you both give some background into the ever-changing landscape of digital technology and how it has influenced your work and home lives? And Matt, I'll go to you first. Yeah, I mean, starting from just my my home life to begin, I think that digital technology is something that I mainly grew up around and kind of throughout the digitization of this communication. Mm -hmm. I think it started a lot with everybody now has phones at their disposal, which has made both your emails, your texts, whether that be with work peers or just your friends, oftentimes it's coming at your fingertips and it's resorting more to a written technology than it is to that traditional verbal communication that we think of when we're standing in front of a group of people or talking to our friends face-to-face one-on-one. It goes as far as even being if if I'm going over to a friend's house when I was a bit younger, instead of ringing a doorbell back then, we would send them a text and say, hey, I'm here. Or instead of honking the horn in the driveway, it's more of an I'm here text or something like that. So maybe losing some of that face-to-face communication, but I'd say also a strengthening of that virtual and written communication as well. Awesome. And I love your example there. John and I can remember having to call somebody's home landline and say, hi, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so, is Nicole able to talk right now? Or is she there? We'd have to knock on somebody's front door and again, address their parents, potentially even grandparents, and talk to them before we asked for that friend. I was just seeing one of my best friends I grew up with this past weekend and her daughter's 11 11 years old. And she has a cell phone that she texts friends with and can communicate if she goes out with friends with mom and dad. John, I'm sure you can remember we had one shared cell phone when we hit eighth grade and there was no texting component to it. It was strictly to make calls that if we were out with friends, we could call our parents and tell them where we were, when we needed to be picked up or when we were going to be home. And if John and I weren't going to the same place, either One of us had the phone or we both had to go together, but that's totally different now today. John, how about you? Yeah. I mean, you just touched on some of them, Jen. I was going to bring up, obviously, as siblings, we grew up sharing a cell phone and there wasn't any text components to it. So you used it for gaming, right? If you were going to play Snake for five minutes and you're in the backseat of a car, or we used it to make a phone call and say, hey, this movie looks like it's ending at 1025. Can you plan on picking us up at 1030? And that was the communication. And it was a call, opening, closing, done. But I I think it's interesting. It's It's shifted quite a bit just in my lifetime, personally and professionally, but even in my working lifetime. When I graduated from school and entered the workplace, Text messaging in in workplace settings was not really all that common. And now I see it so much more frequently with Teams and Slack and these synchronous types of messaging places that allow for constant flow of communication to happen. And it allows for it to exist all day long. And for better or for worse, 
I think that's where we feel sometimes like work never gets turned off. And because it's constantly at our fingertips, like Matt said, not uncommon for people to say, oh, I was up working until 10 p.m. And it may not have been working in the traditional sense of doing my nine to five, but checking email, following up on email. Jen, you and I joke about it all the time. And Matt as well, when you do the travel, it's like when we when we get someplace to a hotel, that's sometimes when we block out, okay, here's an hour and a half that I'm going to take to respond to some emails, even if it is way past business hours for me. But it's all about that efficiency and trying to make good use of time and protect the time that you've got if you don't have access to email or communication all day long. So it's it's shifted in different ways. I wouldn't say good or bad ways. It's just shifted in different ways. And it's the the working individual's ability to adapt and grow with the technology and then grow with some of that change. Of course, there's going to be some growing pains with it. And I think Mm -hmm. just as we mentioned, this idea of needing to understand for some of the younger generations that we're currently working with, they didn't have to go, like you said, Jen, face-to-face with someone's parents and ask them if so-and-so is home. Yeah. And so this idea of being having the the phone or technology being your safety blanket in the workplace, that isn't as accessible. And I was just doing a program this week where one of the HR managers I was working with mentioned how strong some of the candidates that she was hiring in the hiring process, how strong their virtual communication skills were. But when she remembered being at the universities and doing some of the career fair pieces, some of their in-person skills were just enough off. Mm-hmm. And it was just this level of, of uncomfort, but it's because they had so much comfort in the technological space or the the virtual space. Yeah. So it's just unique to see today. Yeah. I think you both brought up great points. And I read an ar- article recently that basically said the days of communicating only via conference room or conference calls or bulletin boards back in your day are pretty much long gone. We have so many other options. And not to say that the other ways of communicating aren't still effective, but we just have so many other options that we can play with and utilize today. And especially with the hybrid workforce, those ways of communicating are constantly changing. John, you made some great points about the change in the technological landscape since you started in the communication industry industry back in 2011. How do you feel the skills and overall communication patterns have changed with the constant updates and implementation when it comes to tech and business together now? Yeah, I think the biggest change or the biggest difference is that it doesn't really stop. And what I mean by that is from the second you wake up in the morning and you pull your phone out and check Mm -hmm. your email to the second you go to bed when you put your phone down or put it on sleep, you've got access to be able to work. You've got access to follow up on things, whether that's through instant message, through Slack, through email, through Outlook, we've got all of that at our fingertips. In some cases, that's great because you have that constant communication available and that open, exposed space available and and free to utilize. In other cases, I do understand where people say I I got burned out very quickly or I very quickly had to start putting some parameters around how often I'm checking my email. And some of our advice to some of our clients we work with is maybe you block off two sections, one in the morning and one in the afternoon or evening to dedicate to 60 minutes or 90 minutes checking and responding to emails. But this idea of constantly updating and looking, okay, what's come in? What do I need to respond to right now? All of a sudden, everything feels like it's urgent. And if everything feels like it's urgent, then nothing is really urgent. Or you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm getting overwhelmed and I'm drowning in communication or I'm drowning in all of this input coming in. 
So I, I, I laugh. I think about if you remember the scene from Home Alone, opening scene in Home Alone, where the police officer and it's Joe Pesci walks in, fake police officer, but the house is chaos. Yeah. Right. There's kids running up and down the stairs. There's parents running all over the place. There's a pizza guy standing next to Joe Pesci. And he's asking, are you the homeowner here? And Joe says, no, I don't know who's here. I don't know who owns the home. But it's this idea of there's chaos in the in the house. And we can sometimes feel that way in the workplace as well, where, OK, I think I sent that one message. I feel like I had a meeting here scheduled. This phone call just came in. I just saw another Slack message populate. I got a team's ping coming through. And you've got a hundred fires rolling and it's trying to figure out, okay, where can I dedicate my attention to say, what is the the most important task that needs to happen right now? And it's a balancing act. It really is. And I think a lot of it has to do with how do you structure your day the evening before? And Mm -hmm. I'm personally trying to do better with that of making some, some points around, okay, what tomorrow looks like is going to get captured the night before. So I've got a good idea when I wake up in the morning, where's my attention going alongside home responsibilities, childcare responsibilities, spouse responsibilities, everything else that's taking up space as well. Yeah. Huge component of that is time management. How do you manage mm-hmm. your time? How do you set things up? If you go into your day with no plan, chances are your day is going to take advantage of you. Five o'clock, six o'clock rolls around and you realize I really haven't accomplished all the things I hoped to, or there's still so many tasks I have to get onto and figure out when am I going to address those. Matt, as someone who came into the industry and overall business setting further into the digital age, do you feel you were prepared with the necessary skills and knowledge for tech and digitization in business today? I think overall knowledge and necessary skills, yeah. I I think one of the places that it was lacking though was that Overall today in business, there's so many different platforms, softwares, and templates in which we use to communicate, whether that is your Outlook, your Slack, your Teams, back to people who used to use Skype and WebEx and all of those different platforms. When I came out and I started working for one of those big corporate companies, it's one of those things that they think is going to be super simple. But as you come in, as someone who has kind of those facets and maybe one or two of those communication softwares there really is a big discrepancy between them. So trying to make sure that you get down your facets and make sure you know exactly what you're doing within that certain software when you start was definitely super important to me. I think also second was not really realizing how to communicate in that large scale of an organization. I obviously started with a company that was what I would call beyond massive. Mm -hmm. So coming in after basically COVID and my biggest group communication effort being about eight or nine people in a college project to a multi-hundred, multi-thousand person team and unit, that overall was really hard to kind of prioritize where that communication was coming from, what was more important, what was urgent, and what needed to get responded to, Mm -hmm. as well as realizing that where Back prior into my life when I would write an email, that's the first thing that would come up on the mind of a professor or somebody else that I'm sending it to. In the business world, oftentimes your email is 10th, 11th, 12th on the list of things for that person to do. So getting my barrier and my bounds of, okay, I need to write what's most important and I need to make it a good use of their time in order to have this be an effective piece of communication 
outside of college was a big difference because obviously that's not how you really think to write from an academic or from a student standpoint. So I think those were huge. And then lastly, I'd say the overall personability in how you communicate in the workforce. I think that it goes without saying that now trying to keep a personal touch on it with email and not hearing that tone of voice or emotion in someone's voice obviously goes a long way. So trying to take my own time to stretch out five or 10 minutes for a virtual conversation where I can hear somebody's voice or a phone call or something like that, where you have a bit more of a personal touch, I've found has been a good way to implement some of those more personal or heart to heart touches that you kind of need in the workplace in that characteristics to keep yourself a normal human being day to day and not just someone who's writing emails and and doing written communication. Yeah. You don't just turn into an AI bot that we hear all about today where great information, great way to share, but you lose that relationship building. And that's one of the big things. Yes, digitization and the digital communication has its place and it can be really effective in certain areas. But having that face-to-face communication, seeing body language, hearing vocal energy, seeing somebody's passion or frustration with something, there's a whole level of communication that we get when we communicate face-to-face with people that just does not come across. And it's very hard to make that come through on the digital side. John, piggybacking off what, what Matt just said, what are some of the largest communication barriers and challenges you have seen in the past couple of years? And what are some ways you have personally dealt with these issues and barriers? Yeah, I'll say the biggest is what you just mentioned, Jen. It's seeing some things get replaced with only digitization or only AI virtual something. You know, I'll use the example when I, I fly quite a bit now as we're getting back into in person and If I get to the airport early and I go to a United gate and I have the possibility to get on an earlier flight, it's very frustrating to me when I go to that gate and there isn't a gate agent there. Yeah. And there is a sign, a digital sign that says, if you want to, or you need help or assistance, scan this QR code and a United rep will help. To me, that's, that's frustrating. I like the personal touch. I like the human interaction. I like the relationship aspect of things. I think a lot can get done quicker and more efficiently in that space, not to replace where digitization in the virtual world can exist, but I do think that there needs to be a balance. And I really, truly do not believe that anything will replace in-person, face-to-face communication, its impact, its significance, its importance in so much of what we do personally and professionally. I think going alongside that, over the last two, two and a half years, It can be challenging when you have an inundation of Teams and WebEx and Zoom meetings. I think all of those are great in certain scenarios. I don't think there's a ton of value add if the participants or the other members of that meeting don't have cameras active Mm -hmm. or they join on and they're immediately on mute. Because to me, as 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 a meeting lead, if you will, or facilitator, you are constantly wondering, is that person or is this group engaged? Are they even there? You ask a question, you pose a question to have people respond something in the chat and you get two or three responses realizing there's nine or 10 people total on this call. And you're wondering, okay, is Jen there? Is Jen letting the dogs out? Is Matt there? Is Matt down in the kitchen fixing a sandwich? And you wonder how present people are. And then you wonder, is this even really time well spent? Is this meeting or is this interaction value add? 
So I do think there are some hurdles and that's why a lot of our talks that we have, whether it's in the, the training and development standpoint or just meetings, we encourage cameras on. Yeah. We encourage either come off mute or if it's larger groups, maybe stay on mute, but we will do what we call pulse checks where we say open-ended question, who wants to share what they feel about what was just said? And we encourage people to come off. And although, yes, it might feel a bit vulnerable, that's what gets that interactivity. That's what creates that engagement. And in most cases, that's what allows audiences to say, okay, that was value add. That was time well spent. I learned something. I interacted in some way. I understand now what I need to do leaving this meeting or leaving this learning and development platform space. But to me, those are the barriers right now that exist is how to blend and really capitalize on some of the human interaction pieces that we really do recall pre-COVID to now balancing how does it look like in this new world where we might be far more remote or we might be far more global and the expectation is not to have people logged on during non-business hours, right? It's 11 p.m. local time for some folks, but you're hosting a meeting and it's 8 or 9 a.m. local time for you in your time zone. Maybe the pre-recorded option would be a better use of time still using skills, still using all the components of message organization and what's most important and what's need to know, but not having people who would be requested to join on at 11 or 12, 11 PM, 12 AM where they're falling asleep and they don't even remember the next morning what yeah. took place in the meeting. Yeah. And I like what you said there. I think another pain point can be how to communicate professionally with these different types of digitized communication. So if we think about text messages, as you said, towards the beginning, Text messages when we joined the business force was really not something you used in business all that often. Now we see it all the time. I had a client who told me the easiest way to get in touch with me and the best way to get in touch with me is to text me. If you need something for an upcoming program, if you need to schedule a call or you have questions on something, I don't really look at my email or I do, but it's every once in a while, it's not the quickest way to get in touch. So text me if you need me. And that was a big shift, but I think it's thinking about text messages were usually used as quick updates or funny types of shares that we would send to family and friends. How do we take that skill we use more socially and it's acceptable in different levels of formality and then apply that to texting a client or customer or texting your inter internal partners and still having it come across as if it fits and it's relevant in a business setting? And then especially if it's externally, how do I make sure that it's still professional and it doesn't come across as awkward or uncomfortable for either party? So it's just another level of figuring it out as it continues to grow and as people continue to use it more and more often. Both of you touched on how hard it is to foster strong personal relationships and connections with some of the current digitized communication structures. So when we talk about those things like email, any type of instant message, any type of internal platform that we would send emails or notifications through, how do you both ensure positive relationships and make these interactions more personal and effective? Matt, let's go to you first. I think the start, which comes from earlier in my in my employment career yeah. but utilizing those coffee chats so having that 5 minutes at the end of the day on or the middle of the day on Friday or on a Thursday or something like that where you're able to have that camera on away from work touch to 
learn a little bit more about your colleague if it's internal or if you have that five minutes of report at the beginning of a meeting with an external colleague just or an external client just to maybe learn a little bit more about them and kind of ease the mood and make it not all business. I think that's something that happens now is that when we're in the workday, our workday kind of flows business to business to business where people are burning out because it's eight hours straight of business. We don't get that water cooler talk or that two minute, three minute walk from down to the cafe or anything like that. It's more of we're at our desk and we're going meeting to meeting to meeting. So people really appreciate that five, six, seven minutes of talk that is outside of that work. And as we do it now, I think it's really big that we open the floor for dialogue a lot. So things like these podcasts down to when we talk about our books and do our PD sessions all the way to if we have an hour or two hours before or after a session that we're on site for, we get that in-person communication, one-on-one, one-on-one-on-one, -on -one -on -one, however that may be where we're getting that FaceTime and we're taking that digitization out of it. Yeah. But when we use something digital, we're able to kind of stack all of those practices on top of each other. And as John said, it's not all digital. So I think that's another big benefit to those personal relationships aspect. Yeah. Great points. John, how about you? I think really it's just encouraging open lines of communication. And what I mean by that is encouraging, like Matt mentioned, you know, if it's digital, maybe it's digital office hours where you say, Hey, I'm available for an hour. I'm available for 30 minutes. If you want to catch up or even it, it can be such a small thing but when you open a talk with somebody, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one or a one-to-group type of dynamic, opening with, hi, how are you? Mm -hmm. It's such a small piece, but it personalizes it and it truly makes that request to say, how are you doing? I'm genuinely interested. I genuinely care about what's going on in your life. Yes, we've got this meeting to talk about blank, but how was the flight home last night? I just had a short call with someone who I've worked with several times over the last several years, HR director. And I scheduled a call with her this morning. She scheduled a call with me for this morning. She knew I was traveling back from a work trip last night. And as soon as she opened, she asked, how are you? How was the trip in? And I thought, that's lovely. That's a nice way for me yeah. to open up and, and just say it was interesting. It was good. The weather was bad, but I'm home safe. And then we dove into the 30 minutes of what she wanted my attention and my time for. But I think it's a very easy opportunity for us to check in how other human beings are doing and doing it simply like that can go a long way. I think it lets people know that you care, you're you're genuinely interested, and it does aid in that relationship aspect of communication, both personally and professionally. Great. I couldn't agree with you more. As we wrap up, what are each of your final takeaways for the audience to maintain either positive or effective communication in this ever-changing digital world? If you had one piece of advice or suggestion, what might that be? And Matt, we'll go back to you since John just spoke. Yeah, I think my one piece is to try to implement that personal. Like you said, although we're working with AI, we're working with tech, we're working with digital bodies, make sure that you use your human body to put some of that emotion and personality at the forefront. People don't want to just work with words. They want to work with the human being behind them. So make sure that they get a little bit of that authenticity and sense of personality behind whatever it is you're doing in that digital light. Love that. Yep. John, how about you? For me, Jen, it's probably embrace, embrace the change. I don't think fighting it is a good idea. And I think for some of the 
different generations who are now in the workplace and and doing things socially too. Embrace the change. I think it's a good thing. And yes, is it going to be, are there going to be some growing pains with it? Of course, but the only constant in life is change. And I think the easiest way to help manage that is to understand what are the strengths of some of this new technology or some of this new space, understanding how you can use it to your advantage, because there are positives to all of it. And of course, there can be drawbacks and negatives like burnout and other things. But that's where, as as the individual, you've got to control your controllables. And maybe you do a better job of putting your out-of-office on at the end of the day or going into the weekend or when you leave for a trip where maybe in past lifetimes you would have said, oh, I really didn't use an out-of-office because that wasn't something that was all that common. Yeah. Where if you want people to know that you are not available and you'll get back to them, then start to embrace the ability to have the opportunity to share that, hey, I'm out of the office. I'm away for a wedding. I'm away for a family trip. I'm disconnecting, disconnecting, I'm unplugging for my child's graduation weekend. I will return your message or I'll return your call when I get back in the office. But I really think embracing it is going to make it more of a win for you than trying to fight it or looking at it as something, oh, that's not something I've ever done. So I'm not going to learn how to do it now. Yep. And I think the embrace, I, I really actually like that concept of bringing that in because it definitely goes both ways. It's yes, our older generations embracing that this is part of what business communication is going to look like, but it's also our younger generations who grew up on the digital side and helping them learn that nothing is going to completely replace face-to-face communication. And there's still such an important aspect of that in business and creating relationships and selling your product or service in. So it's not only... Yes, digital communication is is here to stay. It's here on so many different platforms and ways that we can use it and think about it. But it's also embracing that skill set that perhaps our younger generations didn't need to use as much as some of the older ones because we simply didn't have the, the digital capacity that we do today and helping them get more comfortable with that face-to-face communication, with those interpersonal skills so that we really do have this blended workforce that can do it all. And that's the goal for all of us is to be able to have the ability to excel in the face-to-face live communication settings, and then also be effective in the digital side as well. Awesome. So if we recap kind of the main ideas or takeaways here, being comfortable and familiar with the digital communication is important because it can help close the gap between different departments different people that are working across the country, across the globe, our in-person workforce and our remote workforce, which so many organizations have today. The digital communication can also help us communicate quickly and in a little bit more real time. We don't have to wait for everybody's schedule to match up to schedule an in-person meeting on site at a specific location. Having the ability to jump on a Teams call, a Zoom call, a WebEx, really does allow us to have these important conversations quickly and then in turn make change or fix a problem or whatever it might be. And then for some of it, it can also help us further our brand. Again, digital communication is a great way to share things via a social media page. It can be a LinkedIn share on different topics, ideas, new and exciting things that are happening with your business. So being comfortable in these areas is something that I encourage everybody to start to work on and put some extra attention into. Another great episode. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Thanks for listening to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. Again, I am your host, Jen Alex. Vautier Communications is in the business of business communication skills. We coach and train both individuals and groups on how to elevate their presence and increase their impact through the way they communicate, present, and write. If you want to learn more about our in-person or virtual training options, visit our website at www.vautiercommunications.com. Thanks for listening.